0: The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired.
1: Michael Graff Show.
2: Hello. How come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open a back pot and I pee in there, so that when you flush, pee come up. You know why? Because I'm smart.
1: I'm smart, you are stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, huh? Yeah? That's right. One in
0: ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael Graf. If it's a legitimate
2: rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down.
0: And... You're an idiot. Ah! At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. No one Believe it or not, I had a whole show planned out I was putting together over the weekend. We're going to do some rants, talk about the usual stuff that we do, Donald Trump and Puerto Rico and just some dumb stories and who knows what else. And one thing I was not planning for was the largest mass shooting in U.S. history when putting together a show. Of course, that's something you never plan for. Something that you have absolutely no idea how to talk about, an idea, uh, just a topic you don't know how to approach, period. And yet here we are. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2017. I was actually going to have this show out yesterday and I just sat here and stared at an empty Adobe Audition screen ready to record all day and I really had no idea what I was going to say or what I was going to do and I guess there's really no way anybody could possibly have any idea what to say or do in this circumstance because what is there to say? I've been doing this show since 2000 and people always ask, well, what's your show about? And I just say it's sort of uh, all things to all people. It's sort of uh, a little something for everyone. We talk about news. We talk about politics. We talk about social issues. We do dick and poop jokes. Uh, We talk about, literally on the same show, you could hear us talking about uh, the president of the United States and a guy getting his head stuck in the toilet. I mean, it's just anything, um, and that's how it's always been. And I, over the years, I've tried to make it a little bit lighter, a little bit, uh, you know, the show kind of starts out heavy. And then as we go along, it, it lightens up as we go through the hour or two hours or however long the show goes. And that's just been sort of the formula that's worked out and people seem to like it. I don't know. Today, I come in here and I just, I have no idea what to say. And it's going to just sound like a guy stammering over himself for an hour or two and, it's gonna leave you with I don't think any more answers than you came in with, and I don't know what to tell you. Uh, what we do know is that um, over the weekend there was the Route 91 Harvest Festival in Las Vegas. Twenty-two thousand people gathered for a country music festival. This thing's big, you know. Even if you're not a country music fan, this thing's a big party. It's a it's a great atmosphere. Uh, anybody that's ever attended this or any of these outdoor venues, um, you know, it's it's. It's a nice thing, and I don't think anybody could have ever possibly anticipated something like this happening. You're there. You're enjoying a concert. It's 1030 at night. You got Jason Aldean doing his thing up there, a few songs into his set, and then from across the street on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay, you've got a guy that um, uses a blunt object, knocks out the window to his hotel room because the windows in Vegas don't open, or if they do, they open a couple of inches, and that's it. And then he unleashes multiple barrages of hundreds of bullets and um, rains them down in a crowd of 22,000. I mean, when when it's that kind of a situation, you don't really need to be aiming at any one person. You just fire into the crowd. And that's what this guy did. Uh, with Apparently, he had 23 guns in his room and just fired for well, what seemed like an eternity. And when it was all said and done, 59 people were dead. More than 500 are injured. Some of them critically injured. Hundreds of lives are shattered, destroyed, lost. Um, Hundreds or thousands of families are torn asunder. And the figurative landscape of Las Vegas is forever changed because of the actions of this guy. And we don't know why. This is uh, the biggest head-scratcher of them all. And the tragic thing, yes, of course, is the loss of life and what has happened and how it has affected so many people. But the real problem here is a guy like me and many of you are just sitting there wondering why. And sometimes you don't really care about why. You just care about what happened. The fact that somebody just could do something like this and lives are lost and that's the end result and that's all that matters sometimes. And yes, I agree. But in this case, you don't even know the motivation behind it you don't even know what prompted this you don't even know a lot of the details to this guy I mean, we know a lot about him but yet we don't really know we you know the more we know the less we know as it turns out uh pollock is the shooter 64 years old this guy breaks almost every stereotype of a mass shooter And that's what makes it so puzzling and just so bizarre when you look through this story and you get into the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, Yeah, he's a white male, and that's what most of these mass shooters are. He's a white male. But other than that, every stereotype broken. 64 years old, a fairly affluent individual worth millions of dollars, was known to many of the casino hosts and the MGM Mirage properties because, well, he was kind of a pain in the ass, but he certainly wasn't anything overbearing. Um, He was just a guy that frequented these hotels. He had a nice suite. He checked in on Thursday, and he apparently stockpiled his room full of firearms, 23 firearms in all, according to reports. And um, we don't know if they were all modified to be automatic weapons or not, but uh, we do know that he had possession of automatic and semi-automatic weapons. We know that uh, he lived in Nevada. He had homes in four different states including Nevada 80 miles away from where he was but he preferred to stay in casinos and in one of his uh, Nevada homes he had another stockpile of weapons he had another 20 plus weapons and thousands of rounds of ammunition plus he had explosives but this guy didn't exhibit any of the classic signs of a mass shooter either. He, as far as we know, and of course it's all going to come out eventually, as far as we know, he didn't have a history of mental illness. As far as we know, he wasn't on any psychotropic medication, which a lot of these mass shooters are. And it somehow has an adverse effect on their brain. Sometimes these guys don't take their medicine and that's why they do it. But Whatever. Uh, He didn't have any ties to any terrorist organizations that we know. I know ISIS claimed that he was one of their soldiers, but they claim everything. Uh, You know, it's just like Al-Qaeda did for a while. So he didn't have any connections to that that we know of. Uh, The FBI says no, there was no terrorist connection here. Uh, He didn't seem to have any political or religious affiliations. That we're aware of. He wasn't involved in any of these protest groups or any of these radical protest groups. So he doesn't fit in any of the molds that we're used to. And in many ways, what they call this is the most dangerous kind of crime because it's the lone wolf. It's the guy that just and I hate to use the word snap. And that's something that I've heard in a lot of news reports saying that this guy snapped. And that's that is poor verbiage at best and completely wrong. At worst, because this guy didn't just snap. I mean, yes, something in his brain clearly went wrong at some point. Because if you're gonna throw it all away like this guy did, and you're gonna kill a bunch of people and yourself, that's clearly something wrong, but it's not a snap. You know what a snap is? Is when you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off, and then you're like, oh yeah, you son of a bitch, and you whip out a gun and you and you shoot him. Or you're in a bar and somebody Says something disrespectful to you, or somebody hits you, and then you just jump on top of them and pummel them. I mean, heat of the moment stuff that's snapping. This guy didn't snap, this is clearly premeditated. He got himself a room facing this concert venue up on the 32nd floor on Thursday. Apparently, he reserved this weeks in advance. And then he methodically brought these weapons up here. He obviously didn't bring them all up there at once because, you know, these are big weapons. He would have had to carry them up in a case and maybe assemble them so that, you know, you're not rousing suspicion. Obviously, the housekeepers uh, that went through there, they didn't see anything, so he must have kept them hidden somehow. So this is a guy that premeditated his crime, waited till the m- most people were out there, toward the end of this concert when one of the big headliners is playing waited till an optimal time 10:30 at night and then decided to unleash his crime you know, had everything figured out this is a premeditated crime this is you know 59 counts of first degree murder and over 500 attempted first degree murders among other things so this is premeditated stuff so I, I don't I object to the term snapping. I, I guess you know we're splitting hairs, but I think that's an important distinction here. But uh, we as far as we know, this guy has no criminal history as not so much as a parking ticket. His family was shocked. They've interviewed this brother of his, this uh, Eric Paddock, a bunch and he is just as shocked as anyone else and he seems legitimately surprised. this guy has broken down and been crying and he says, you know, I just talked to him not that long ago. seemed everything like yeah everything seemed like it was fine. His neighbors have come out and said, yeah, you know, he was really quiet. The only odd thing about him was he wasn't, he just wasn't anything. You know, he wasn't loud. He wasn't disruptive. He really didn't talk to anybody. uh, You didn't really know anything about him at all. He just really kept to himself. He, He did have a girlfriend and she was out of the country when this happened. And as far as we know, there's no involvement with her and she doesn't know anything. And again, some of this stuff is going to come out and we're going to find out, uh, we're going to verify all this stuff. But it just doesn't seem like there's anything at all about this guy that's off other than the fact that he just started shooting people. So that's a very strange aspect of this story. You know, um, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, But what we do know going forward is that, um, well, this story, it's just like any other news story. There's the good, the bad and the ugly. And I know you're going to say, well, how is there any good that comes of this story? And I agree. There's very little. A guy like me that's kind of cynical uh, throughout most of my life, it's been hard to find humanity in stories like this the last few years that have been happening. But, you know, you have to. You have to. Otherwise, you just you go insane yourself. And you become even more cynical. And it's very hard not to when you see stories like this. But I'll tell you, the good that has come of it, And for the sake of humanity, I've got to tell you, the good that has come of it is the the first responders that once again risk their lives to go out there and help people. Uh, The police, the EMTs, the fire, and the, the people that were in attendance at this festival. People that threw themselves on top of other people to shield them from a spray of bullets. People that did whatever they could to help out. And you know what? Some of these uh, hotels and casinos that have stepped up and given away free rooms, free, uh, just to help people out. And average citizens that uh, drove people to the hospital and and that came along and and, uh, provided first aid and medical attention. Just ordinary citizens that stepped up to the plate. So there is good that comes out of something bad like this. I know it's, I don't know what, what you'd call that, maybe um, uh, rose-colored glasses approach, but that's just something you have to take a look at. I mean, we all know what the bad of this story is. There's a lot of bad, and it's going to probably get worse before it gets better. And then, of course, the ugly. And the ugly is the part that is going to be talked about for a long time to come, and that's uh, the fact that the story is going to become politicized, it's going to refuel the debate about guns and all this other stuff, and you're going to have people weighing in on all sides, and it's It's going to get ugly. It already is ugly. I saw Jimmy Kimmel last night, and he's talking about the need for gun reform. Um, And, you know, I I understand where he's coming from. I understand the, the position. And I hear a lot of people talking about this. And it's a very impassioned and emotional argument and you have the emotion of of 59 dead people and 500 plus people that are injured to talk about it and that's that's your backup for it and i i understand it completely and i don't think that there's any reasonable person that's against background checks including these these gun shows and you know closing that loophole i don't think there's anybody out there that that is a reasoned intelligent person that would say no to that And, you know, saying no to a mentally deranged person having a gun. But any law or any action that you want to take right now and anything that you when you dissect this story, nothing that you could do legislatively would have prevented this guy from doing what he did. And you can say, well, what if we didn't have automatic weapons? Well, automatic weapons are already banned. Automatic weapons, yes, there are certain types of people that can get automatic weapons, gun dealers and stuff, but you have to, I mean, <laughs> you have to jump through so many hoops to get those. You are monitored. The the, the tax stamp alone, the cost of those weapons is, is enormous. Just the tax stamp alone on those is uh, $10,000 and then the weapon itself and all the approval that you have to go through. This guy would have, if he was able to go through that, and we don't know if he had that kind of a license, I don't think he did, But if you're able to go through that, you pass all those background checks. This guy, according to, he bought guns at a gun store here in Arizona, among other places. But the gun store here in Arizona, they did all the research. And uh, he passed all of the required background checks. This is, again, this is the kind of crime that would not have been stopped no matter what legislation you have. And the thing that people have to remember, anytime we have stories like this, and anytime you want to talk politics left, right, whether you're forbidding all guns, whether you're like, yay, guns, who cares? Let's Everyone should have guns and tanks or whatever they want. Regardless of what side or how extreme you are on the topic, the, the point that needs to be made here is that crazy is crazy. And that no matter what kind of law you have in place, somebody like this especially, that wants to do harm to other people, is gonna do it regardless of the law because criminals don't care about law somebody that wants to rob a bank is going to rob a bank robbing a bank is already against the law mass murder or murder of any kind is against the law unless it's self-defense murder is against the law discharging a weapon in city limits is against the law having an automatic weapon is against the law modifying a weapon to become an automatic weapon is against the law this guy broke tons of laws, but he doesn't care. I mean, I, killing yourself is against the law. <laughs> you know, this guy does. When you want to do harm to people, you don't care about the law because, well, <laughs> that's why you're doing it. It's, you know, it doesn't. It's not going to make any sense. And I know the arguments are out there, and you say, "Well, we want to make it tougher." Well, you can make it tougher all you want. You're going to go ahead and hurt the law-abiding citizen. Here's the best example that I can give you. When somebody drives drunk and gets pulled over, arrested for DUI, especially here in Arizona, we have some of the toughest DUI laws in the country. Uh, By the way, driving drunk is against the law. People still do it all the time. So when you get busted for DUI here in Arizona, what they do is is they force you to, uh, among the fine and the possible jail time, they also force you to have an ignition interlock device on in your car. And what that does is, is that um, in order to start your car, you have to blow into this device and you have to have a you know, a clean breathalyzer for your car to start. And then while you're driving along, you're, you have to periodically blow into this thing and the sensor has to read that you are clean. And if you're not, your car will shut off. And if you try to start your car and you're intoxicated, it won't start. And it it sends off um, a signal that you tried to start your car while drunk. And if you have enough of those, register someplace with law enforcement. Uh, They will extend the amount of time that you are on the ignition interlock device. Now, the argument that people are making with these guns, and and let's face it, drunk driving kills a lot of people in this country. It kills and and ruins a lot of lives and families all the time. And usually the drunk driver gets away scot-free in terms of drunk drivers usually not killed because they're drunk, they're relaxed, they don't know what they're doing, they just hit people and kill them. They live on and other people die. And it's, it's a cruelty of life. And so they're punished. But... You know, they have, a, they have the ignition interlock device. And what the, what the people that want to go ahead and, and ban these so-called assault rifles, and by the way, we don't even know what an, an assault rifle is. It's never been clearly defined. I guess anything could be classed as an assault rifle technically. But anyway, what these people that want to ban the assault rifles are saying basically is we want every single car to have an ignition interlock device because if it did, we wouldn't ever have any drunk driving again. So why not? Why don't we just go ahead and put an ignition interlock device on every single car? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been sober for 40 years. You're going to have an ignition interlock device in your car. Why? Because there are some people, there are a few people that are irresponsible and go out and drive drunk. There you go. I guess that solves drunk driving, doesn't it? No, it, it, see, the problem is it doesn't because, it, it number one, it punishes the overwhelming majority of people that don't drive drunk. And secondly, and this is what I say all the time about this stuff, no matter what system you have in place to prevent a crime, if somebody wants to do something badly enough, they will circumvent your system. It's just like the security at the airports. I always use the Chris Rock line. Security at airports is there to make white people feel safer. That's what airport security is. Uh, it doesn't really do anything. Yeah, sure, metal detectors are fine to prevent you from bringing a gun on a plane. Fine, whatever. But if somebody wants to shoot down a plane badly enough, they're just going to stand there near the runway a couple of miles away with a shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missile. They'll shoot down the plane. You know, if somebody wants to do harm badly enough, they're going to do it. And you're going to sit there and say, well, Mike, what are you saying then? Maybe we shouldn't just have any laws at all. No, laws are there to punish people that do the wrong thing. I am all for punishing people that do the wrong thing. If you drive drunk, you shouldn't be able to drive anymore. Maybe ever. Maybe the laws aren't tough enough on that kind of stuff. Maybe there needs to be a, a better deterrent. But you can't just punish everybody because of the actions of a few. And that's always been my position on this stuff. I, I know, It makes people feel better if you want to ban the assault rifles and stuff. And I, listen, I'm willing to have any conversation you want about... About uh, background checks and about how we regulate these things. I'm willing I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen to any proposal that anybody has. I'm not some gun nut. I, I don't want an assault rifle or whatever. I don't want an AR-15. I don't want an AK-47. I own a shotgun. That's fine for me. You know, I'm not here to... Uh, it's It's just not my thing. But I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't own. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just here to tell you, I'm trying to give you the logical argument as to what any legislation is going to do. Any legislation, it's not going to bring back the people that were killed, and it's not going to prevent somebody like this guy from doing the crime in the future either. And my problem is, whenever we talk about this stuff, people always bring up other countries. They always talk about, oh, the well, what about the UK? What about Canada? What about Australia? Well... Whenever people do that, it's just so infuriating. Those are countries, those are different countries. It's like comparing apples and anvils. It's a completely different culture. It's a completely different society. There's not even 30 million people in Australia. There's not even 30 million people, or maybe 30 million people in Canada. There's 400 million guns, at least, in the United States of America. It's the number one maker, manufacturer, distributor of firearms in the world. Who else makes more guns than the U.S.? This is a nation that started with an armed rebellion against the tyrannical government that was here, the British government. So it's been around for a long time here. There's 400 million guns. It's going to be pretty hard to get rid of them all. So that's my point in all of this. This is a societal issue. This is something that can't just be a quick fix with a pen and paper, you know, signing some bills. That doesn't just get rid of the problem. You have to be vigilant. This has to start with education at the very at an early age. This has to start with better mental health care. Now again, that wouldn't have stopped this guy. But more vigilance on the part of individuals, people that um, whenever you see something, say something, that whole attitude... And people, I think in this society, in this, again, maybe I'm just being pie in the sky here, but I think what needs to happen too is people need to start talking to each other again. People need to get the hell off of social media and screaming at each other about pointless nonsense on the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram and all this. People need to just start talking to each other and being human beings toward each other again and looking at each other with more value and just... Checking in on your family and your friends. You got you got that disturbed guy in the office. You got that creepy guy in the office. Maybe you go talk to him today. You know, maybe you start talking to people a little bit more and figuring out what's going on with everyone. I know, I know. It's it sounds like bullcrap, but what could it hurt to do that? You know, society used to be a lot closer than it was, and mass shootings have been a part of this nation for a long time. They've been a part of the world for a while. And this is just one of those things that isn't going to just magically go away. There's no panacea. But there's a lot of things that we can do beyond just let's pass a law and that makes it go away. And look, I'm not sitting here saying I have all the answers. I'm just, I'm throwing out some theories. I'm throwing out some ideas. I don't know. So... That's my two cents about the whole thing. I, and I'm not trying to be political about it here. I'm really trying to be as realistic and about as honest with it as I can. The why. That's the part that I don't get. I didn't know anybody that died in this thing. And I, even I'm sitting here going, "But you know, just the, for the closure. You just love to know why. Anyway, we're going round and round on this. but Oh, and then on top of everything else that happened yesterday, as if we needed any more bad news... Then I see that Tom Petty had died. Tom Petty, great musician, 66 years old, which, got to admit, that's not even old. Guy was uh, just a a favorite of mine growing up, and I really liked, uh, I, I love his music. He's one of the greats. And then I found out, oh, he's not actually dead. He just had a heart attack, he's still alive. And I'm like, oh. Alright, yeah, you breathe a sigh of relief And then you see, well, okay He's had a heart attack He's in the hospital But he's on life support And then you're like, oh Jesus And then, well, he's, he's on, on life support And he's brain dead And then this morning, yeah, his family removed the life support He's, he's dead now It's like, man, really? Thanks a lot, CBS News, for that So there was uh, some of that going on yesterday. And so I listened to some Tom Petty last night. And I'm just like, man, this guy was great. Into the Great Wide Open. Just one of my favorite songs of his. So on the show today, all Tom Petty bumpers. I figured that's fitting and that's really all we can do at this point. We really need some good music to help lighten it up around here. And I promise going forward, next segment, we'll... Well, I can't promise we're going to lighten it up. But we're going to switch on to some other stuff something a lot more pleasant like people suffering in Puerto Rico and Donald Trump boy, boy that really lightens it up doesn't it so that's that's the direction we're going going forward from here you know I had a lot of audio I was going to play today and some of that from the Vegas stuff and I just said you know what there's no way I'm playing this you don't need to hear it you don't need to hear the bullets flying you don't need to hear people actually getting shot And yeah, who wants to hear that you've heard it enough already I've heard it enough already We got other audio that we could play, but I don't know. We're just winging it today. This is just one of those shows that could go anywhere and hopefully goes in a better direction than it has to start. All right, we're muddling through. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. The Michael Groff Show. Where moderate is the new fringe. And evidence that radio guys are kind of scummy. There's just some people in this business, the radio, the media business, that are just absolutely gross. There's actually an overwhelming majority of them are. And yesterday, Monday, Tom Petty, the story comes out that he's dead, and then of course he's not. But I've heard a couple of stories already from radio guys that have talked about how one of the suits, like a regional VP or a regional operations manager calls up along with a music consultant and says something like, you know, we got we to gotta get ahead of this Tom Petty thing, man. We got to increase the rotation. Like they get on their classic rock or their rock stage. We got to make sure we uh, put in some, uh, some Tom Petty today, some extra Tom Petty. Like the guy's not even officially dead yet and you're doing that. You know, that's just... It's a kind of a scuzzy element to the radio business. And I just one of those things that just makes you go, "Ugh, why am I even associating myself with these guys? Ugh. Believe me, there's a lot of stories like that that just make you wonder why anyone would ever want to be a part of this business or anyone would ever want to get into the business at all. Now, from one scuzzy thing to another... I, uh, I know we were going to lighten the show up, but it's really hard. This is some of the stuff I actually wanted to get into before, you know, the largest mass shooting in American history came about. Uh, Donald Trump. Yes, of course. We have to talk about how this situation with Puerto Rico has been going down. Now, Puerto Rico has been ravaged by hurricanes this tropical season. Uh, Irma, Jose did significant damage, but then there was Maria. And Maria was just the knockout punch. And quite literally, 99% of the island was without power. The only people that actually had power were people that had backup generators. So really, 100% of the island was without power. And still, most everyone is without power. And there's been significant infrastructure damage. There was a dam that was going to break. Uh, There was uh, just a, a ton of flooding after the fact. And of course, all the wind damage, all the, you know, bunch of homes, most of the homes flattened or severely damaged, major structural damage. And you know the story by now about Puerto Rico, but you're wondering how was Donald Trump going to handle this? How is he going to respond? And the response normally from any sound minded, perfectly reasonable leader of a country and keeping in mind that Puerto Rico is part of the United States. It is a territory of the United States. Puerto Ricans are American citizens. And I know Donald Trump seems to be having a hard time grasping that concept. But indeed, Puerto Ricans are American citizens. Very good people. And there are people right now that are struggling. I know, it sounded like Donald Trump. Very good people. Really good. Puerto Ricans, really good. I mean, considering that they're brown. It's a, it's okay, they're brown, but they're still okay, I guess. You know, still... They're surrounded by big water, deep water, ocean water. He actually said that, by the way. He actually said, it's an island surrounded by big water, deep water, ocean water. So I know this is something that he actually said. I'm not making that. You can't believe me when I tell you I'm not making up stuff that he's saying here. The stuff about brown people, that's his internal dialogue. He didn't actually say that. But, you know, that's his dialogue. Anyway, the point is, any sound-minded leader would say, hey, man, look, you guys have been through hell down there. Whatever you need, the full power of the federal government is at your disposal. Whatever you need, you guys just ask for it. We're going to deliver it to you. Uh, the shipping regulations, all this stuff, forget about it. We, you know, We just want to save people's lives. We just want to help you and get you back and going as quickly as possible. Well, that would be what a normal leader would say. And it doesn't matter. I don't care what your political leanings are. George Bush, Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, they would have all said the same thing or similar things. Ah, but Donald Trump, not a career politician, and certainly, you know, great. Uh, So here's what he had to say. The leadership of San Juan is atrocious. These people, terrible leadership. Don't believe all all of the Trump bashing that's been going on down there like he made this whole disaster about himself you know like he does with every other thing that happens this is the problem when you it's not just that donald trump is a narcissist look everybody that's ever been president of the united states has had at least some ego you have to have an ego to to be to run for and become the leader of a country to think that you are qualified to be the leader you have to have an ego that's not necessarily even a bad thing And you probably are a little bit of a narcissist. But Donald Trump is, he's not only textbook or encyclopedia narcissist, it's almost dangerous how narcissistic he is. Then he gets into a Twitter fight, of all things. Well, of course he does, with the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And really, all the people of Puerto Rico want is help. All they want is for the federal government to step up and and help out. And what what is one of the things that he says? It's like they expect us to do everything for them. I know, right? As if the people of Puerto Rico think that they're somehow American citizens and that the president of the United States and the federal government would step up and help them just like they did for the people of Houston after Hurricane Harvey and much of southeast Texas and southwest Louisiana. Or the people of Florida thought, you know, after Irma, the federal government's going to step in and help out, which is what they did. But then because, I don't know, maybe it's Puerto Rico and our president seems to think that it's just a big island Surrounded by big water, deep water, ocean water, and it's full of brown people. You know, brown I don't, it's not that I hate the brown people. It's just they're not really, this is not, I have to help Americans first before I get to the browns. This is really where this guy is at right now. You know, far be it for me to accuse somebody of being insensitive or lacking humanity, but that's exactly what our president is. And that's probably the most dangerous part about Donald Trump is the fact that he doesn't have compassion or humanity. Like every once in a while, uh, there's that switch that, that turns on for him. But for the most part, this guy is just lacking in humanity. He's never really experienced the struggles. He doesn't really know what it's like. And so here he is trying to help the people of Puerto Rico. And, and, and all he's doing... He's not... Well, he's really not trying to help, I guess. I, I don't know what he thinks he's doing. Maybe he thinks he's doing something good. I don't know. But pointing at... Then, as if that's not bad enough, then repeatedly over the weekend, Donald Trump pointed out the fact that Puerto Rico is in debt. We want to help out. We're, we're here. We're ready to to help out. But understand that Puerto Rico has some tremendous debt. These are people that... Uh, you know, we're, We might be willing to sort of overlook this debt I'm not making this up This is really something that he has said He he didn't just say it once either This isn't just something that slipped out of his mouth Who does that? What kind of a leader? What kind of a human being? Never mind that he's the Okay, even if he was a legislator Or even if he was just a guy at a bar That you're talking to and having a discussion about Puerto Rico What guy goes Well, you know We want to help those people But man, boy, they are in debt Ooh, boy that's like somebody is drowning in a, in a swimming pool and you're standing there. You could just reach down and give them a hand and help them. You're like, you know what, man? You, you borrowed 20 bucks from me in the fourth grade. I don't know. I got to know that I'm going to get a good return on my investment for helping you out. And then the most atrocious cut from today in Puerto Rico. Is this today? Is this yes? I don't even know. I, I lose track of the days. Doesn't matter. The most atrocious cut Is this? Uh, This is the the audio. I I mean, this is this is actual audio. Again, of our president, the president of the United States, once again bringing up the debt thing while he's in Puerto Rico, sitting there, and you hear a tiny little bit of nervous laughter after he says this gem.
1: Now I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack because we've spent a lot of money on Puerto Rico, and that's fine.
0: Wow. Well, you know Puerto Rico. this little hurricane that came. I prefer islands that don't get hit by hurricanes quite frankly uh, I like islands that are that are safe yeah, you threw our budget way out of whack thanks Puerto Rico you know we were going along just fine but then you had to have that stupid hurricane like why would you guys do that and throw our budget out of whack This guy this All this guy talks about Is the money and the budget Which ordinarily You'd be like Hey you know The president is being budget minded But not in a disaster Where's I, I wish this guy would go into Congress And say You know All this uh, spending That you guys are proposing You know we got a budget It's being thrown way out of whack By this crazy spending You guys are doing uh, Tremendous spending Huge spending Bigly spending But uh, you know He doesn't do that. He's not going to go into Congress and say, hey, uh, what about this budget? What about all this money that we're throwing at the military? Yeah, you know, we big money here we're throwing at the military. I don't know if it's really a good return on investment. No, he's not doing that. He's doing that to a, a nation that's in dire need of help. And what is this dude doing? He is out there talking about how in debt Puerto Rico is. I don't care if you're the most ardent Trump supporter. I don't care if you're the, the most right-wing person in the world. I don't care who you are. There is no justification for
1: this. Now, I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack because we've spent a lot of money on Puerto Rico, and that's fine. Wow.
0: I I, I don't—there is not—you can make fun of all the Bushisms that happen. You know, the George W. Bush said some little gaffes here and there. You can even make fun of Obama for his comment about 57 states or whatever. This is this is sociopathic behavior. I this is just the weirdest behavior from a leader of a country. You would laugh at this if this was the leader of Laos. Okay, if this was the leader of I don't know Morocco. Uh, Sierra Leone or something you'd be like wow that's kind of out of whack what a crazy leader they have this is the United States of America the supposed leader of the free world the self-anointed police of the world and then this is our leadership and amazingly enough half of the country voted for this guy and I understand what the competition was like I get it but holy cow this is what we have you have to sit there and let this audio cut sink in.
1: Now, I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack. Because we've spent a lot of money on Puerto Rico, and that's fine.
0: Yeah. We've, and by if those of you that are going to say, you cut out the rest of the clip where he said, we've saved a lot of lives, and that's a great thing. Yeah, let's talk about the rest of the cut. I did cut it off. Uh, I don't have the... He also did talk about how they saved a bunch of lives, and then he pats uh, one of the leaders there of Puerto Rico on the arm, and he's like, what did you guys have, like 16, 17 people die here? I mean, that's, you know, Katrina had thousands. You guys did a great job here. What a great job, you guys. Which, from another leader, would be a weird sort of offhanded compliment, and you'd say, well, I guess, you know, they handled this all right, and they have a good infrastructure, and only 17 people died, and You could sort of understand with a normal person how that comment might be passable. You might be able to justify it. But this is a guy that everything he says is the wrong thing. Everything that comes out of this guy's mouth is just wrong. It's... Bombastic. It's, and then I don't know if you saw. This is just something that happened. You know, we're we're taking the show from Tuesday into Wednesday here. So I have. You know, this is uh, while I was uh, between segments here. Uh, Donald Trump is handing out paper towels to the people of Puerto Rico, and I don't know how many of you saw this video. If you haven't, you, you should see it. Maybe I'll post it up on MichaelGraff.com as well. But Donald Trump is handing out paper towels to people. And he's like winging them at people. He's like throwing them out like it's a game show, like it's the bonus round of some weird Japanese game show. You know, the it's the catch the paper towels bonus round. This guy just hand them to people. This guy has no sense of anything at all because he's never had to do community work. He's never had to do any sort of actual leadership other than look. He was this. He's been CEO of his various casinos and hotels and these other properties. And I'm not saying that doesn't take a certain sense of business acumen, but you can't be some ruthless jackass business guy when you're the president of the United States. Being the CEO of a company and being the president of the United States are two completely different things. When you're the CEO of a company, you have a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders, and therefore you have to make some ruthless decisions. You have to make some very tough decisions. When you're the leader of a country, yes, sometimes you have to make tough decisions, but you also have to be a human being, and you have to be a compassionate leader. You have to be a decent guy. And I bring this up to my friends all the time. I talk about this all the time. Uh, Again, I I may have had philosophical uh, differences with Barack Obama and George W. Bush, but I did not think that either of those people were bad human beings. You may not like the things that they did. You may not like the fact that there was all those drone strikes and the wars and the And all the other nonsense. And, you know, we can all talk about Benghazi and Iraq and Afghanistan and all this other stuff until we're blue in the face. But I don't think that there is a bad or evil bone in the body of George W. Bush or Barack Obama. This guy, I legitimately think, is just wrong. He's just completely malicious. At times, And other times, I just think he has no compassion and no understanding. And I, I don't know how else to put it. And when you watch how he handles this Puerto Rico thing, that exemplifies the point. So I I had to talk about that. It was just too much going on. You're going to really just... People are in need of help, and you're going to get into a Twitter fight with the leaders. And not just like one tweet either. I mean, the guy sent out a barrage, like 20 tweets... Somebody take away this guy's Twitter. The primary communication for the president of the United States should not be the same as a 14-year-old girl. It shouldn't be. I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. Ah, <laughs> uh, how we got what 3 3 years and a couple of months left. All right. No. Well, let's tough it out, I guess. If we're still around, I hope so. Oh, boy. I don't know if I can handle talking about this for three more years. I don't know uh, what else is happening here. <clears throat> you know, I, I speaking of Puerto Rico and Las Vegas and all this other stuff that's going on, I have to bring up something that just is a trend that needs to stop. And I see this. There is somebody on my social media. There's a guy that I see that does this all the time. And every time there is a tragedy... And I think everybody knows somebody like this, too. But this is just weird. Every time there's a tragedy, this person on my social media posts, Oh, my God, I have friends in Puerto Rico. Oh, I hope everyone's okay. Oh, my God, I know people in Las Vegas that were there. Oh, my God, there was an earthquake in Chile. I know people in Chile. Like, they know people everywhere. They have friends everywhere. You know, it's that kind of a person You have friends in every location Around the world And you know somebody in every Oh somebody I know just went there to, And it, they make the whole thing All about themselves And I see this, this There's this guy that does this all the time And everyone knows this person Everyone knows the person That does this kind of stuff Whether it's at their office Or one of their friends Or one of their Facebook friends Or one of their Twitter followers Whatever you know somebody that does this. And it's just there to garner sympathy and support for yourself. I, I don't know. I hope you're okay. Huh? I, it's like, just stop. And the other thing that needs to stop as well, and somebody else posted this today, um, is that the the people that send around the memos at the office that say, yeah, this morning at 11 o'clock, we're going to have a morning prayer. We're going to have a, a prayer uh, for the people of Las Vegas. Really? That's what you're going to do? You're going to send that memo around the office? What if I am agnostic or what if I'm an atheist? Or maybe what if I believe that that is a cheap and tawdry thing to do? What if I don't think that's appropriate? What The appropriate thing to do is, hey, um, just so everyone knows, you know, at 11 o'clock we're just going to go and have a little something here uh, in the conference room. Not... Not something that sounds kind of forceful, like where the boss sends a memo. All right, uh, mandatory moment of silence at 11.15 this morning. So if you're that jackass in the office that's doing that, stop. And the other one is, if you're the guy that sends around the memo that's like, yeah, I'm I'm an atheist, man. I'm not going to participate in that. Like you send that to everyone. You CC that to everyone. Don't be that guy either. Just go to work. Just chill out. Don't talk about this stuff at the office. Just go there, do your goddamn job, and go home. That's what you're there to do at work. You're not there to talk about politics. You're not there to talk about... Um, you, you know, at, at conversation at work should be limited to how's the weather, and all answers should be less than seven words long. Seven words or less. And not a single mention of politics or news or events nothing outside of the weather and gee, that sure was an awful accident I saw coming in this morning. Bad wreck this morning, huh? Yep, saw it. All right, back to work. That's it. That's how office conversation should be. That's right. I am putting an end to all office conversation. I want productivity to go up. Now that is how you run a business, Donald Trump. That's how you do it. I want to see... Less conversation at work, more work being done. There, I just increased productivity by 90% at offices around the world with that. Now, if we could just make sure that no, no one on, at work can get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, we could increase productivity by about 200%. But I'm glad somebody <laughs> did actually post that because that's great. Uh, very rarely do I ever do a targeted message on this show at any one individual, but yes, the creepy person on the social media needs to stop being the person that knows at someone that's in every single tragedy that goes on around the world. You don't. And stop saying you have friends everywhere. A friend is someone that you hang out with regularly, whether it's talking to them online or talking to them in person, uh, somebody that you would actually lend money to somebody that you would consider going to lunch with somebody that you uh, know a little bit more about than just their favorite color and uh, where they went to school I mean somebody that actually you talk to more than a couple of times a year a friend is somebody that you actually interact with and socialize with either on a semi-regular or regular basis that is a friend me, I probably have 10 or 11 people that I consider friends. I know some people that consider just about anybody that talks to them a friend. Yeah, I have uh, 186,319 friends. Uh, that's all the likes I've gotten on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook over the years. Uh, that's all my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram friends. Uh, that includes anyone I've talked to at the grocery store since 1994. I. Th- those are the people that you have to, those are creepy people. That's really weird. So that's a public service announcement here. All right. I think we've fixed all the world's problems, and now we can just get into the stupid stuff that we normally do on this show. I know, those were two very tough segments. They really were. Let, let, let's This is a full-service program, all right? Let it be said, this podcast, really, we try to fix all the problems on planet Earth. We wind up fixing none of them, probably making things worse, But at the same time, you know what? It's fun for me. That's all that matters. We'll be back. Mixing news, politics, and social issues with dick and poop jokes. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show.
2: MichaelGroff.com Well, it started on a dirty road started out all alone and the sun
0: It's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show on a Tuesday going over into a Wednesday. It's October 3rd, 4th, 2017. Groffshow at gmail.com. That's our email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. Michael Groff on Twitter. Michael Groff Show on Facebook. And for everything else Michael Groff related, the one and only michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can listen to previous editions of this program and you can donate to us. And I would really appreciate those donations, you know. They uh, help us out a lot. Or if you've just really enjoyed the show over the years and you feel like donating, you can do so. Groffshow at gmail.com is my PayPal. Or you can do it through the one and only com. Eventually we're going to get the podcast up on iTunes, I think. I don't know. It's more complicated than figuring out how to operate a nuclear reactor. Uh, however... And there's a lot of lame steps that you have to do for some unknown reason. You can't just link your podcast to iTunes. You have to put in these, all this, you have to do artwork and you have to, I don't, it's, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, we're, I think we're going to do it. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of heavy material that we've talked about on the show. And believe it or not, the IRS is giving a no-bid contract to Equifax for security. (laughs) Oh, Equifax. You know, the people that uh, couldn't hold down your information before, and now apparently we're giving them a no-bid contract. This is really working out well. This Equifax situation where the CEO decided he's going to resign. He's like, well, I'm ashamed of what happened. I'm very sorry for what happened. He He tried to tell a bunch of people, I'm very sorry for what happened. This is a terrible situation. Uh, I regret that all of the information for all of our... uh, For anybody that's ever gotten a credit card or anybody that's applied for a loan, your information got leaked out in this Equifax security breach. And the guy says that he's sorry and he really feels terrible about it. So much so that he's going to do the honorable thing and step down. Oh, and he's getting like a $10 million parachute on the way out, by the way. So... And he's already worth a lot of money. So... You know, your information uh, might have been breached and he might have been uh, at the top of the food chain and the buck stops here. But you know what? He's still going to get paid. So feel better about that, America. What a fun, happy show today. Uh, what else? Well, here we go. Here's another. Here's a change of direction. Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly just started over at NBC and it's already not going well for her. You know, the Fox News star. And by the way, anybody would be a star at Fox News. But anyway, she's, um, she had great numbers over on Fox News. She was a highly coveted individual. And so she went over to NBC. They're paying her like 18 million bucks a year. And so she's on that Today Show. I guess the branding is something like Megan Kelly Today. And in order to get guests, they're having a hard time getting guests on her segment. I don't know why, but I guess so. And so what they're doing is they're kind of tricking people into saying, no, you're going to be on the Today Show when it's really Megyn Kelly today, which is like the, th- the, quote, third hour of the Today Show, I guess. So that's how they're getting some guests on there. Uh, it's not been going very well. The ratings are already way down. 400,000 viewers less now uh, for Megyn Kelly than the uh, previous incarnation of that hour. And uh, apparently, a lot of the complaints about Megyn Kelly and a lot of the people are just saying that she, and I know this is going to sound very hard to believe, she comes across as very cold and not approachable. People don't necessarily hate Megyn Kelly, but they, they just see her as cold and, and yeah, uh, just somebody that you can't really, not, not really a great personality and certainly not genuine. And so that's been her problem. And I guess some of the guests have bailed. She's had to do some filler time and filler material, and that hasn't been going well. And this is how little they think of her. You know, after the Las Vegas mass shooting, so Monday morning, they preempted her for a roundtable. So there was no Megyn Kelly on Monday. I didn't see if she was on uh, today, here on Tuesday. So who knows? We'll see. But uh, Megyn Kelly, it's not going very well for her so far. This is very reminiscent to what happened with Jane Pauly. Remember, back in the 80s, late 80s, Jane Pauly was on NBC. She was wildly popular. And then Deborah Norville stepped in, and that turned out to be a big nightmare for NBC. They lost a whole bunch of ratings, and they only kept her for about a year. Megyn Kelly, well, they're paying her a whole lot more than they ever paid Deborah Norville. But I, I was debating whether or not to put this in the who gives a. F- Segment, but I decided to have it here because I actually care about this story. I, I'm actually fascinated by what NBC is doing. Of course, remember Megan Kelly interviewed Alex Jones, and that was uh, a whole thing. Man, Alex Jones, <laughs> Alex Jones is already all over this Vegas shooting thing. Man, he is—he's gone wild on it. For those of you that don't know who Alex Jones is, he is an admitted fraud. Now, this is somebody that I always told you for years on this show was just putting on an act. He found a niche. He found the conspiracy niche. You know, the shows like Coast to Coast AM and some of these other conspiracy conspiracy shows. Well, Alex Jones decided to take it a step further. And so his show is like the ultimate super libertarian, super conspiracy theory show all wrapped into one where pretty much everything is a conspiracy uh, brought to you by a guy who apparently doesn't believe any of it. Either, Either he's a fraud or he is a liar, which I know you think those are one and the same, but let me explain. Alex Jones is getting a divorce from his wife, and in the divorce proceedings, his wife said that he shouldn't get custody of the children because he's a crazy person because of the things that he says on his radio show. His defense via his lawyer was, no, 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 that's not a real person that's on the radio. That is just a persona. He doesn't really believe in that. He is just doing that for the air. It's just for entertainment. So either he lied in his divorce proceeding about it, or he really is just a fraud. He's just putting on a front for the listeners, and he doesn't actually believe that crap. And I got to tell you, I, I cannot believe that this is something that a man genuinely thinks.
1: I'm going to shoot you up with something that's going to kill you dead in a hammer. How's a 30-year death from gut disease sound, African children? Roll up the sleeves! I'm a little chicken neck bastard and nobody's got the will to see what I am!
0: <laughs> that's not even the best one. That's a relatively tame clip by Alex Jones
1: standards. Uh, these, these globalists are coming for you. They're going to get you real good. I tell you, shoot me up with the African children gut disease that i <laughs> what is this
0: guy ever talking about? Here, here's another one.
1: The frogs, the male frogs, think they're females now. That's not a, when I say that about a frog, I'm not bashing the gay frog, but the chemical got in the water. Rare. There's so much of it in our water, it runs off and makes him. In fact, it actually changes them in reproduction, they end up being hermaphrodites. <laughs> the stuff they're putting in the water and everything is not working on me, man. The stuff they're putting in the water, it's not working on me, man. <laughs>
0: this guy's about my age. He's like maybe two years older than I am or something like that. He's like early 40s. This guy is, he sounds like he's about 70. And it looks like he's about ready to have a heart attack. And they... It's just like, I, I, how do you have that kind of a voice? Do you smoke six packs a day? It's probably all that screaming about gay frogs. I've deliberately saved the best clip for last, of course. Here we go. Uh, this is my favorite. Alex Jones.
1: I was told by a genetic engineer uh, about a project they were on in England once and I never told the story on air because it's so fantastical. Oh, God. <laughs> they had in tanks people with gills. and They were little babies and they were in there just gulping, clawing at the sides. You see a turtle at the zoo and it wants out and you feel for it. I got... Humanoids crossed with fish and stuff. I mean, we are screwed, people. I mean, do you understand that? (laughs) And I know I keep obsessing because it's in the news what they're doing now. They don't show it to you. They just go, yeah, gestating on farms or embryos of humans growing in animals. No, it's beyond (laughs) that. They take them out, they keep them alive. And notice they go, the only law is you don't put it in a real human woman.
0: This guy has a successful radio career. I mean, he's made millions of dollars. I sit here and do a podcast for 20 people.
1: I, and don't worry, that out. these creatures don't have any rights <laughs> because they're not human and they're not animal. They're in that phantom zone. I'm crying over dead fish people, aren't they? That- ta- they're crossing fish people with uh, with humans. <laughs> I can't believe it. That dang varmint. Uh,
0: All right. I, I needed a laugh today. And, you know, I can always count on the fraud Alex Jones to make me laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. I uh, I needed that. I really did, people. I think you did, too. We could do this all day. I could play Alex Jones clips. I got a library of Alex Jones clips that I could say. I should say, clips.
1: When I talk, I'm like 40 years old, but I talk like I'm about 80 And I sound like I come from a part of the world that doesn't even exist. They have them in tanks. It's unbelievable.
0: (laughs) This this is the greatest. It is the greatest show. I, I have to tell you, I mean... I don't understand how that guy gets anybody that watches or believes any of the crap that he says. I don't understand who goes to InfoWars and buys into that. I've known people that have. He's another one of these Planet X guys, and people give him credit somehow. Megyn Kelly interviewed him and tried to even take him a little bit seriously, tried to make it a serious interview. If I did an interview with Alex Jones, I know it would last two seconds. I'd be like, listen... So which one is it? Are you are you the guy on the air? Is that is that the stuff you believe? Or is that just a hoax and you're putting on an act? I mean, that's question number one. That's it. And the interview's probably over right there. So I don't know. <laughs> that's a guy with a successful radio career. You can say what you want about it, but it's it's on a bunch of stations. That guy is literally on like 200 stations. It is unreal, and he has like a huge internet following, and there's people that actually buy into that nonsense. I'm so done trying to figure out what works and what doesn't on the radio and why one thing is successful and something else isn't. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, this is a great story. The dumbass of the day... A man wanted for skipping on child support payments was tracked down in Ascension Parish after he tried to taunt law enforcement on social media. On Monday, the Vernon Parish Sheriff's Office announced that they had arrested James Turner, a fugitive wanted on an outstanding bench warrant, for failing to pay child support. The sheriff's office says Turner was apprehended in Ascension Parish Sunday after he spent some time evading authorities. Now, he probably would have been able to evade authorities a little bit longer had he not decided to put a bold post on the sheriff's office Facebook page. Before his arrest, Turner posted a review on the office's page, giving it one star out of five and asking, quote, how long is it going to take y'all dumb to find me? Well, it turns out it didn't take them very long to find him at all, especially after Turner also provided a photo of his location with the post. Turner's photo not only featured his address, but it also featured an arrow pointing to his home. Law enforcement officers in Ascension Parish were able to locate Turner with ease and took him into custody. This is one of those where you ought to put him in jail just for being stupid. Or make it like the seatbelt law where you can't be arrested for being stupid, but if you happen to be arrested for a different crime and you're stupid, you get bonus time. Here's some parents of the year right here. This is a quality story. Uh, Remember during the Iraq war when we were debating about waterboarding? Is it torture? Is it not? Is it cruel and unusual punishment? Does it work? Well, I think we can all agree that waterboarding a child is probably a bad thing. A couple in Beaver County is facing charges after police say they admitted to waterboarding a 12-year-old girl as punishment. Dion Stevens and Melissa Stevens, 34 and 41 years old respectively, they're charged in connection with the incident which occurred in April. Police learned through a Childline report that the 12-year-old girl was physically abused by Dion and Melissa Stevens, according to the report. The girl told police in an interview that she was dragged into a basement by Dion and Melissa, bound to a chair with packing tape, and then had rags shoved over her mouth. Then they put a wet towel over the child's face, tilted her head backward, and then poured water, a bucket of cold water over her. According to the police report, Dion and Melissa Stevens openly admitted that they tried to waterboard the child as a form of punishment. And you thought you had it bad if your parents spanked you or if they threatened you with a belt. Imagine that. If you don't do your homework, I'm going to take you down to the basement and waterboard you, young man. All right, then. There you go. Oh, boy. All right, it's time to move on to everyone's favorite segment of the show. It's all the uh, various kinds of news some of you may care about, some of you may not. Well, you know what it is. Who gives a? news that the media wastes valuable newsprint megabytes and airtime reporting.
1: Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again.
0: And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a fuck? It's our never-ending quest to expand the demographics of this program, and that's why we present you with stories that I may not necessarily care about. And maybe some of you in this audience haven't really thought about this either, but obviously a lot of people do because... These are stories that are being reported by major media outlets all across the country. And here we go. What killed Hugh Hefner? The playboy mogul? The guy, the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, Hugh Hefner. Uh, What killed him? Well, he was 91 years old, and you figure, well, that's got to be enough. But no, actually, he had built up a resistant strain of E. coli so there you go. He died of um, a medicine resistant E. coli. I wonder who was administering the medicine. Which playmates? Apparently, some of them stuck with him till the end. Imagine that. 91 year old guy still getting 20, 30 year old chicks and went out with a smile, I guess. Well, maybe not the last few days. That That bowel obstruction had to be pretty fierce. All right, Sex and the City stars—four uh, women working together. What could possibly go wrong? Well, for years, as some of you may know, there were rumors that the stars of Sex and the City—Kim Cattrall, Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis—didn't really get along. Well, of course, they always refuted these rumors. Oh no, we get along just fine. Find four women in an office that ever get along. Try to find that. You're just—it does not exist. Well, now Kim Cattrall says, okay, yeah, I kind of hate Sarah Jessica Parker. Even though they all went out of their way to say, no, 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 there's no problem here. There's nothing to see here. Move along now. Cattrall has come clean about the feud. She said that it goes uh, all the way back to a discrepancy between Parker and Cattrall. It really had to do with how much each one was getting paid. Sarah Jessica Parker was making all the money. Kim Cattrall was making less for some reason. I don't know why, but that's how it works. She called her relationship with the rest of the stars. This is Catrell talking about Sarah Jessica Parker. She said that uh, Parker was, quote, toxic. And declaring that she had nothing in common with them. Quote, I don't know what her issue is. Never have. So, what do you know about that? I don't understand why you guys can't just figure it out. Look, you're all making millions of dollars. You're on a show. You're acting. I never understood the appeal of that show. I know so many people love that show, Sex in the City. Tried to watch it. I really tried to get into it. It's just not for me, man. I just can't understand. What did these women ever do for a job? All they ever seem to do on that show is just bang dudes. Like, did they just make their money off of banging dudes and were they prostitutes? Is that the storyline of the show? I really don't know. I I plead ignorance here. All I ever, ever I've seen like three episodes. All I've ever seen them do on that show is just talk about banging guys. Talk about the various awkward things that happen while they're banging dudes and talk about Uh, sit around and and drink coffee and wine and and food at restaurants. I I don't know. That's all I ever saw on that show. Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, Monty Hall has passed away. That happened over the weekend, but Monty Hall, the host of Let's Make a Deal, I guess he hosted 4,700 episodes of that show? I had no idea. Anyway, the guy that, you know, famously would ask you if you want what's behind door number three or what's in the box. And the show, he was the co-creator of the show. And he was also the guy that um, uh, handed the show off, basically, gave permission to Wayne Brady to sort of bring back the show. I I don't know if the show's even still on. I, I saw it a few years ago. Maybe he actually just as recently as last year. So, I don't know. I don't know whoever watched that show. I never really liked it that much, but... Is Carol Merrill still alive? Anyway. So, um, he was married uh, to a woman uh, for 70 years, Monty Hall. His wife, Marilyn, who was an Emmy Award-winning producer, TV writer, and author. She died in June. So... I don't know. Monty all, 96 years old. Not bad. And it's a big anniversary. Yes, this is the 25-year anniversary of Sinead O'Connor's appearance on Saturday Night Live. Uh, where this incident, I know this is audio, but of course, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I play it. Here we go.
2: Of good
0: She's doing an acapella performance
2: evil.
1: Fight the real enemy
0: And she tears up the picture of the Pope And nobody does anything They just sit there silent No applause uh, You hear a couple of people go Wow, alright And that was it And that was the end of her career basically I remember, I was 14 years old watching Saturday Night Live with my brother as we did each week. And we just kind of looked at each other like, wow, that just happened. You just watch someone end their career right in front of your face. So that was a big controversy back then. But Sinead O'Connor, she had that nothing compares to you and that's pretty much it. I know she had a couple other real tiny hits. And then, boy, after that incident, nothing. Her tours were done here. Any chance that she had of ever getting another record deal here, I think we're probably over. I don't know. And she's made some albums since. And I know she's tried to continue doing music. But I, I don't know how well that worked out. Now, of course, today, had she done that today, torn up a picture of the Pope, nobody would say anything about it. But in 1992, that was a big deal. That was actually big news. You just didn't do that. It really does make me feel old when I think about the fact that it's been 25 years since that happened. I um, I don't even know what to think of that. I guess before we get out of here for the night, let's do one more thing. This ties in nicely. People were asking what happened to the Song of the Day feature, so... Let's crank it up. Here we go. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Song of the Day. One of my favorite Tom Petty songs. Actually, this is my favorite Tom Petty song. I've used this as a bumper over the years on the show. It's a great tune. One more time for the legend himself, Tom Petty. Here's Into the Great Wide Open.
2: Eddie waited till he finished high school. He went to Hollywood, got a tattoo He met a girl out there with a tattoo too The future was wide open They'd moved into a place they both could afford He found a nightclub he could work at do
0: Zip code, famous Michael Groff show, Tom Petty into the great wide open. About the worst thing anyone ever says about Tom Petty is, eh. No one ever really says I hate Tom Petty. Some people just say, eh, not really my cup of tea. But I, I can appreciate why people really like him. And just, um, man, a big loss for music. I'll tell you that. Well, this has been a very sad edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. And uh, hopefully next time we'll be back and brighten it up a little bit. I doubt it. We'll see. As I mentioned before, we got a long time to go, folks. We got a a long road to hoe. And by the way, uh, the baseball playoffs going on, of course, the Twins, they lost. As I predicted, uh, they would. A long time ago. I predicted that at the beginning of the season. They'd get to the playoffs and they'd lose to the Yankees. The, the Twins can never beat the Yankees. Regular season, postseason. When was the last time the Minnesota Twins had a winning season series against the Yankees? It, it was not this year. When was the last time? Maybe it was. I, that'd be weird if it was this year and I didn't. I, I looked, though. It wasn't. When was the last time Minnesota beat the Yankees in the postseason? Anyway, Diamondbacks, Rockies, that'll be later on. I got a bad feeling about this one for the D-backs. I don't know. Anyway, groffshow at gmail.com. That's our email address. Michael Groff on Twitter. Michael Groff Show on Facebook. And for everything else Michael Groff related, it's the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can listen to previous episodes of our program. And, of course, you can donate. Gravshow@gmail.com at gmail.com is our PayPal address. Do that. We'll see you next time. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav Show. Good night, everybody.